Hello, it is the Dilla Prime All-Rounder podcast. Welcome to episode three. On this episode, we are looking at the 2021 Formula One Grand Prix season. I don't think many people would remember a more challenging, captivating, enthralling, exciting series or season than this one. It had everything. For Australian fans, it had Danny Ricks winning a race. It had Mighty Max coming to the forefront. It had Sir Lewis Hamilton going for an eighth Grand Prix championship. Could he beat Schumacher? Is he already better than Schumacher? Who better to chat about this than a good mate of mine? He's, his name is Carl Krishnamurti. I call him Cosi Krish. I'll introduce him to him shortly. I'm actually going to do it over two parts. So I'm going to be releasing two episodes, part one, part two. First part this week, second part next week. This first part is going to be looking all things context, what happened, an overview of the season, what were people talking about, what was Will Buxton talking about, and we might even hit some of the top fives, and I'll save some of the top fives for part two, where we're going to be doing all the segments and categories that I love to do, Uh, that's going to be hot seat, finishing the top fives, most disappointing performances, and then we'll be tying a loop on that season. So I want you to sit back, relax, as my old, old hero, Laurie Oaks would say, Laurie Oaks. National Nine News. Hello and welcome to the Dilip Ram All Rounder podcast. It is the 19th of August. We are recording at 4.40 p.m. I'm going to bring on my guest host today. I call him Cozzy. It's Kausal Krishnamurthy. Uh, we're going to be talking all things Formula One, but specifically the 2021 Formula One season. One of the most interesting and challenging and competitive seasons of all time. Cozzy. Kausup, how are you doing? I did that because Kausup is a very talented musician himself he used to sing and i used to play violin for him love it love it mate it's been a while since i've heard you sing actually um are you still learning yeah yeah yeah. i, yeah. I, had, I had class this morning cozy for the people that haven't met you yet i'm gonna ask you a couple of questions just to get into this the first question is what's your favorite sport Ooh. um okay off the bat has to be cricket right yep but when i like kind of introspect and i kind of look back i started really getting into cricket um Probably 0304 Bodhagavaskar, like we've talked about this before. Mm. Um, but then around 07, I really started getting into uh, motorsports, specifically Formula One, which is kind of why I'm here right now. Um, but uh, I think over time, Formula One has kind of raced ahead to a bit of a lead. Um, I see. So cricket and Formula One, they're, they're two fantastic sports and they're so different. So like, if, well, if you had a choice then to be a famous athlete, would it have been a... Here's the oh jeez, <laughs> Boxing Day test, Madagascar <laughs> oh, FCG for like the individual kudos. You oh, got to compare the pair. Um, I'd never be batting at the SC, uh, the MCG. Are I'm you a bowler? A, uh, bad one, but okay. yeah, definitely a better bowler than I was a batsman. Not saying much. Okay. Well, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah look, call. it's hard to say, right? Because as a little kid, it was always, yeah, sure, cricket. I want to be bowling. I want to be taking wickets, that kind of thing. Um, then kind of in my late teens. I think that kind of flipped and kind of went, okay, forget Formula One and forget being a sports star. The beauty of Formula One is that it's not just what happens on the track. 
mm. right? So much of it, you look at your, you know, principal, your team principals, you look at your race engineers, you look at the pit crew, there's so much else happening there. Like I look at guys like Adrian Newey and for, for anyone who doesn't know me, I'm, I'm a robotics engineer, right? A robotics and machine learning engineer. There is so much technology in that car. You could not physically drive it without all that technology. So for someone like me, that is, it's mind blowing. Final question, who's the GOAT? Schumacher, has to be Schumacher. Okay. Wait, are we talking Formula One or are we oh, talking like any, said, any? I just said who's the GOAT. Oh, damn, come on. No, nah, okay. Schumacher is good. I, I don't okay. mind that. I'll caveat that. Schumacher, here's why, right? I don't care if you've never watched a Formula One race in your life. If you say Michael Schumacher, 99% chance the people at home will recognize as, oh yeah, he was, he, I know that name. You might not know why you know that name, but you know, it's like why people know Neil Armstrong, mm. right? It's just that name that just lives up and above anyone else in their field, right? And I don't understand why it is. Uh, there was just something else about the way he drives. And that's probably for a lot of Formula One fans or a lot of motor racing fans was the halcyon golden era of racing was mm. when Schumacher was racing. I mean, it leads to my next question. It's not even a question. It's What's the first thought you have when I say the name Juan Pablo Montoya? You want the honest answer? Yeah, I do. What? You, you were going to give me a dishonest answer? Always. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he is the uh, Juan that got away. Okay. Um, <laughs> All right. Look, to be honest, two things come to mind quite immediately. One yeah. is that iconic, iconic piece of reporting that asked him the question, was an Aussie reporter? Oh, yeah. After but wasn't it before the race? No, no, it was, it was before. It was it before another race? Yeah, he couldn't take a joke, though. He, yeah, something, something happened, and essentially it was along the lines, guys, and it's the reason I phrased it the way I did. <laughs> was, um, one wonders, Juan, if Juan would ever, would only ever win one Formula <laughs> One race, Juan, would Juan be disappointed in oneself? Is that... Yeah, it was. Something it? like that. It was just... And he pretty much... Juan pretty much just responded with, get the hell out of here. I don't want to talk it, to you. It's it's crazy, right? Like, I, I don't know how he lost the love for Formula One and the fever, right? He's He won, what, 10, no, he 10 won, races? Yeah, so he, yeah, he won seven. He had seven wins. Seven wins. His peak was around 01 to 05. Racing rules were very different back then. The qualifying rules were different back then. You know, you had to have one fast lap and you'd be pole. But... He was just someone that should have won a Formula One championship, if I'm being honest. He had one or two good years where he had a chance, but you reckon, never did. You reckon he was, the, he was the driver's world champion that never never was? I suppose that was just an, ex, uh, an excuse for me to talk about Juan Pablo Montoya. No, but honestly, yeah. you're right, right? Like the guy leaves F1 because he's essentially bored, right? Mm. Like I think there's more there. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, he had his run-ins with Schumacher. He had his run-ins with pretty much anyone who got behind the wheel back then. But it's a shame because he's still driving. I think two years ago, he was still driving in some format or the other and yeah. winning. Like, no, he's a oh, he's geez. a he's a great he's a great driver. I always held out hope through the years that there would be some article saying Juan Pablo has made a return back to Formula One, but that did not yeah. happen. And I think he's too old now. He's forty-seven, but one of those great names that will be forever etched within Formula One. Um, Crazy. I mean, let's, you fast forward then to 2021. And yes. we fast forward to the 72nd 
running of the F1 championship, the world's a completely different place to, you know, the early 2000s, the start of the millennium. There's no Montoya. There's no Schumacher. There's no Barrichello. Yeah. And, you know, Ferrari fans might say there's, there's no more Ferrari. <laughs> um, oh, no. But instead, we've got a very, comp- we've got a completely different Formula One landscape. There's a no, you know, the V10 engine's gone. You know, there's a there's a new concern, not concern, but the people have regard to you know the environment, the impact on the environment, and racing cars were con, you know built and considered in that light, but that beautiful sound was gone. Um, you know, the world was coming off or still recovering from you know uh, COVID, the 2020 COVID year, and and so I think personally for me, I had a love hate relationship with F1 that I had started falling back in love with um, with Formula One. And I think it started with Mighty Max, Max Verstappen coming back and making it competitive again mm, in yeah. that, that Formula One landscape. I lost a little bit of interest when Hamilton was basically dominating. Um, I can't say I'm a big Hamilton fan. In that 2021 season, I think a lot of journalists, a lot of sports media writers, one of the most intense hard-fought battles in sporting history. And of course, we're talking about the rivalry and the competitive yes. nature between Verstappen and or Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. Um, our, even our favorite Will Buxton from Drive oh, to yeah. Survive, he said <laughs> that was big. I think he's the, he's got the best job in Formula One. Here's the crazy part, right? Like now, anyone who tells me why Formula One, it's not that interesting. Um, it's very different to driving your, your day car, you know? Um, yeah. It, it's just so different. It, it, it's difficult to explain. Like a lot of people, I think some of the other but day you're, told But you're me, talking like um, you've been in a Formula One car and you've driven for 10 years. No, no, no. Mate, no, no. neither of us have I any wish, idea. I wish, right? Here, here's the closest <laughs> I've gotten to, to that. Um, the I, PS PlayStation game? I've got, I've got a little bit closer than that, to be fair. To be fair. Um, not much closer, just a little. Um, so basically, back in university, we have um, the Formula Student or Formula SAE uh, competition, which is an open wheel competition, and all of the engineering and design and, and build is done by students, uh, right. engineering students. Um, and I was working on some of the electronic shifting and paddle shifting on that car wow. in the 2015-16 car for Sydney University. Very cool. Um, so that was really feeding into that love for technical the technical aspect of Formula One, but when we look at the 2021 season, so many different storylines, which I want to get into with you, Cosy. Um, you had Hamilton vying to become the all get one over Mike, uh, Michael Schumacher. With Not 21. poking fun, but like no. seven World Drivers Championship, by the way, is insane. It is. Oh, it's 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 out of this world. I mean, you had Verstappen who was looking for his first championship. Ultimately, when Verstappen won, Honda actually became the second engine supplier to um in the hybrid area to win mm. a uh, champ mm. to have a championship winning car behind mercedes um like the, here's the thing that people don't get is that there's so many elements to the sport right that your engine manufacturer is different not sometimes to the actual car manufacturer right like red bull didn't make their own engines until very recently they were relying on honda engines yeah now renault let's let's just do, do a bit of a sidetrack here renault which is now known as alpine Right, so Alpine, previously known as Renault, where Danny Rick used to race, um, they're probably over the years. If you go back twenty years, they're probably one of the more performant engine manufacturers on the grid. You mean like they were very successful with? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. They were very successful as engine manufacturers. That doesn't necessarily make them successful as a racing team. 
yeah two very different animals and that's the beauty of the sport is that you can compete on so many levels from we were just talking about engines so you had mclaren they announced they were going to be moving from um, a renault engine to one that was built by mercedes yes uh, important thing because McLaren used to have uh, Mercedes engines during some of their Halcyon peak days, yes. um, late nineties, early two thousands, and so I think a lot of people thought that that was going to be a signal that McLaren was going to be back to being a competitive um, racing team. In terms of actually the drivers, you had a lot of change. Carl, so we were talking just before we started recording. We were talking about Vettel, and I mean Vettel had moved at the twenty twenty one season. He just left Ferrari. And so he'd gone, um, Aston Martin went to Aston Martin. I mean, Aston Martin was a relatively unknown quantity at the time. Well, here's the thing, right? So, and, and this is why I keep going back to Will Buxton, right? Is, um, <laughs> everything goes back to Will. <laughs> All roads lead back to Will Buxton. <laughs> Drive to survive. They had a few false start seasons early on the first couple of seasons, but they managed to build up such a mass by the leading up to this 2021 season add on top of that all of the technical changes that actually makes a Red Bull way more competitive. You've got a, a resurging Red Bull team coming back to compete, going back to, you know, almost saying, hey, we're going to hit those glory days of, you know, 2000, uh, what was it, 8 to 2008, 2011. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, so you had the competitiveness, but that, that competitiveness and that change in, in team standings and people moving around, that's always built up the interest from the existing um, from the existing Formula One fans. What that's never managed to do is really build up additional interest from people who've never watched the sport. I agree. It was a unknown quantity. You didn't know, would people enjoy a documentary about racing car teams, drivers? It was actually enthralling stuff. It was really good to see what happens behind the scenes on a racing weekend, in qualifying, in practice, how do these drivers train outside of their, you know, outside of their race weekends? Sure. And you really got to understand the personalities, and you, you know, people started loving to see what Toto Wolf was going to do, you yes. know, what or what Gunter was going to do. Gunter's Steiner sell, sold a book last year called was it this year or last year called Survive the Drive. That's his autobiography. Serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His autobiography is called Survive the Drive. I've listened to it. He narrates it himself, by the way. Oh, so it's like an audio book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an audio book. And oh, man, it's worth the audio book. Have a listen to it. It is in hilarious. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's him. It's him. It's him in his real self okay. speaking. And it is phenomenal. But here's the thing. It's not just Drive to Survive. All of the theatricality of Drive to Survive aside, you're seeing in this 2020 era 2020 onwards era and maybe you started seeing like 19 onwards but youtube drivers mm. actually being more and more involved in youtube you didn't have those you know hey seb at, at, at ferrari with you know kimmy play i mean to be fair with kimmy you're not going to have that much <laughs> to say beyond scene. but um you know actually that's a complete lie because we do have good footage of seb and kimmy playing around on youtube but true it just took Seb's this Seb's a funny guy. Seb Seb's is a funny guy. hilarious, isn't he? There's, a, so there's some very good compilations of Sebastian Vettel cracking jokes. Have, with... you, heard his, have you heard his accent work? Yeah. Yeah, I have. I have. Phenomenal. I have. He's... Oh, he... Sebastian Vettel is a one of the greatest drivers. If you win four championships, you're up there. Just in terms of who was actually... Dra so we, we mentioned Vettel. He goes to Aston Martin. We had uh, big boy Danny Ricciardo moving from Renault... Uh, which it was called at the time, to McLaren. Yeah, that was an interesting move, hey? 
Like, because everyone was questioning. I didn't like the move. I, I really didn't like yeah, the move. Yeah, tell me more, tell me more. Ricciardo moved to Renault because he wanted a opportunity to win races and he didn't want to be the number two driver. So he goes to Ooh. Renault. He starts in his first year. It's very poor. It's not a great showing. Next season, in his 2020 season, I'd say it's a stronger car. He has some great results. He doesn't win, but he's trending upwards. And then he left. And I think if you just spend two years at a, at a team, it's not enough to sort of really understand the car, its dynamics, how to make it work, how to be as efficient and as fast as possible. And I think that led to his downfall because he ultimately didn't, he also didn't do well in McLaren despite mm, winning one race. Mm, mm. There's two things there. I, I, I like that. I like that you're pointing out that uh, two years in, like you're talking about driver development, but also about like car development, right? And this is exactly why I believe he left. Well, there's, there's one side which why he left from Red Bull to Renault. There's talk about, you know, not wanting to be in the poison chalice that is the second seat at Red Bull, which is, you know, in the last 10 years or so, not a great position to be in. Like, you know, multi turning one onwards, it's not been a good seat. It's a thankless job, the number <laughs> two driver. It's a thankless job. You're constantly being doubted whether you deserve a spot because you can't compete with Max Verstappen and who can? Well, it's, it's, it's not just that. It's like in other teams, the second driver spot is very much a development role. It's very much a support role, right? Whether you look at, at you know, Mercedes, Bottas was there for years. Like what was it? Yeah. Five years. Or something. I want to get into there. Bottas. Bottas is, Bottas was not just good for being support. He'd be good for, you know, I think Toto would probably tell him, mate, we need to have a, a crash on this, um, at the start of the race, take out a few drivers. And oh, no, no, no. Valt Valtteri going, was going good for that. 10 pin Bottas bowling. <laughs> but that's, no, that's just reckless speculation. Um, so here's the thing, right? So when you're talking about, so yes, there was that aspect of it for why he moved from Red Bull to Renault. Now, Lewis Hamilton, what he did when he moved from McLaren to Mercedes, this was ten, what, more than 10 years ago now. Uh, no, was it 2013? I think it might have been 2013. Um, but he turns around and he goes, I want to build a team around me, build a car that's designed to work well with how I drive. That's not going to happen for Danny Rick at Red Bull with Max Verstappen. That's mm. not going to happen for Danny Rick at Renault. Here's why. And if like, and this is probably more only come to my realization in the last few weeks is uh, Renault now known as Alpine just went through a bit of a last minute uh, like did. team change where they got rid of the principal, they got rid of a couple of people at the top and they've kind of reset, uh, reset shop, which you don't see often mid season going into the, into the break. No. Um, but what that rings out to me is, is the guys coming to Alpine now, there, there's plenty of footage right now about, uh, sorry, uh, sound bites now about them saying, essentially it's going to take a few years for them. If, even if they broke ground now, it's going to take them a few years before their engineering setup is actually going to be right to build top quality cars. Mm. That means new wind tunnel, new, you know, uh, production dynamometers, all these things that you use months and months before you even put that car on track. Right. Um, so how do you, how do you develop a car around you as a driver when you turn around and you look at the guts inside and say, actually, Renault's not putting enough money into this. Yeah. Renault's not able to give me the facilities I need to build a car around me. I mean, the other drivers that were introduced into the 2021 season, you obviously had uh, Alonso. Uh, 
Alonso coming back. Yes, he came back to um, yes. Alpine, or we call it Renault at the time. That and was an interesting move to yeah. see him come back to Alpine. To be honest, but it was. I mean, he did win his only two championships at Renault, so it was a seen as a return of you the know, prodigal that's a son. Good point. I never thought about that. Yeah, he, he, I mean, Alonso has come very close to winning a lot of F1 championships, and he has been on one view very unlucky not to have won more than two. He is one of the greatest. But he'll be seen as one of the. Honestly. Yeah, for me, he's on on the same kind. Of, like for me, some of my favorite drivers have been Alonso, Kimi Raikkonen and Sebastian Vettel, right? And it's so sad for me to see uh, uh, Kimi and Seb go back-to-back, retire back-to-back in 2021, 2022, right? Yeah. Is they have this, like, Kimi could just bring speed out of a car in ways that you couldn't imagine. He was probably one of the fastest humans in terms of, I think so, yeah. Kimi was one of the last drivers who was there during the early... Yes. Um, early millennium years and then 2021 was his last season he's obviously a great of the sport I'm very glad that he did win a championship which it was well deserved because he deserves to have that on his CV um, 2021 also saw the introduction of Yuki Tsunoda which um, continued a long line of you know I don't know if it's a long line but um, a line of Japanese drivers and it's important that ja- Japan has a you know a, a footprint um, within the F1 landscape I You're think it's great for the Kamui race Kobayashi here. I, I, when I saw Sonoda I said I hope he has a more successful career than um, Kobayashi but I was a big Kobayashi fan for I can um, I mean, he didn't win anything. I think he did well. No, he was one like Marianne Kartagain, right? Like, oh, he, was like than, see, he was better than Kartagain. This is a very European sport. So it is good to see, you know, Xiao Guan Yu come through from China to show a bit more. There's a few races in, in F2 right now. There's an Indian racer in F2. I can't remember the name, but geez, he's quick, right? Narayan Kartagain, to see him up there, like as an Indian, right, myself, it was... That was nice to see, you know, like Force India and having an Indian driver there. Definitely. was really nice to see, however successful or otherwise they were, right? And however much this is not really, uh, you know, a sport about nationalities, unless you're the Dutch going for Max or the British going for one of the many British drivers on the grid. Um, yeah. I mean, Formula One is a, it does feel like it's a European sport that has now ventured yes. across the world and you have drivers from across the world, which I think is great for the sport because it well, means it's it brings also more you're getting, eyeballs. You're also getting more sponsors from around the world. Like exactly. the last few years, the the presence in the Middle East, you've got the first and last race in the Middle East, right? Um, Bahrain, you've got Bahrain, you've got Saudi Arabia, you've got Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to Abu Dhabi at some point. But now the other guys that are coming in with a lot of investment is the Americans again. 2021 also saw a lot of calendar changes. We didn't have the Australian Grand Prix. We there was supposed to be a uh, Grand Prix in Vietnam. COVID put COVID put all all sorts of question marks into it, right? I think. Yeah. The way in which the number of people, like, okay, if you think about, let's take cricket, right? Because we both know the sport so well. You've got eleven players. You've got a twelfth man. You've got typically a squad of another ten people or fifteen people joining you on a tour. Right, it lasts roughly four weeks, uh, four to four to eight weeks a tour. Right, um, and it's usually just in one other country. It's all in one country, multiple cities, but one country. Now, scale that up to like a World Cup, a cricket World Cup, where you've got twenty teams competing, twenty sets of fifty people there. Mm. Right, now scale that up to every weekend. You've got Formula One racing teams. You've got drivers. You've got engineers. You've got cars. You've got spare parts. You've got uh, media teams, you've got all of this stuff. They basically lift and shift this entire thing 
over a week and set up like they can they own, uh, and i've actually looked at the logistics of it it's mad if you're a logistics person out there someone who works in that space and is really passionate about it um have a look at what they do it is nuts they literally have leapfrogging teams where when you have back-to-back um week weekends you've got one team at say silverstone and then the next the they would already have a team going to the next track setting up it's incredible how they do that. 2021 also saw budget caps. Uh, teams were limited. Oh. It does. When I say this number, it doesn't mean anything to me. 145 million dollars per year. Um, it, it almost sounds mind-boggling, right? Like, yeah. can you imagine what you could do with 145 million? Probably not. I mean, I'll take it. Thank you. I will take it. <laughs> the um, the schedule, the race. Is it schedule? Schedule? Do I pronounce it correctly? Schedule. I say, I schedule. say schedule. Schedule, but yeah. I think schedules are. I think schedule might be an Australian way to say it. Schedule might be. Yeah, um, I mean, I, re- I don't know, man. I, it, so I learned German and S C H. You always go sh- like a sh- Schadenfreude. So yeah. um, maybe that's why I say schedule. But yeah, the schedule was slightly revised. Uh, you had Thursday, Friday for practice, Saturday, Sunday qualifying race. They had some um, you know changes where Thursday events were sometimes moved to Friday morning. Um, and then you have the introduction of the sprint, sprint races. for certain for certain races. And I mean, you, hang, hang, okay, just quick question. Yeah, sprint races, yay or nay? No, nay. Really? I think that it diminishes the race day. What's the point of having a twelve lap race? Like, I come to watch the qualifying because I want to see who's going to qualify first, and then I want to see the race. Totally, it's a constructor thing, right? So yeah. So there, there's two things for those who don't know. So this is one of the one of those unique sports where. It's not just man, it is man and machine, right? Like I said so many times so far, it's also about the engineers. It's also about all the technological improvements that happen over the over the months and months. So there's actually two championships that are fought for every school year. There's the World Drivers' Championships, the WDC, and the World Constructors' Champions and Championships. The are wor- you constructor or driver? Which one do you support more? I care more about the Drivers' Championship, okay. right? Because at the end of the day, and this is where, as an Australian, this is a conflicting view and a a, a, a very, um, <laughs> as an Australian, this is not a view that most Australians hold for racing, particularly Formula One, but I have a bit of a let them race mentality. You are Michael Massey. <laughs> He's probably the one Australian who'd agree with me on that, to be honest. Um, Toto, uh, we want racing. <laughs> the, I want to get going. to that. The, the reason most Aussies won't hold this is because multi-21 and the whole Sebastian Vettel, Weber kind of thing where mm. team orders were questioned and do you have team orders? Do you not have team orders? Do you race for it? We saw after the season the removal or, you know, the stepping down of Michael Massey, the race racing director. Uh, 2021 was an interesting year where you could hear a lot of the discussions between team principals and Michael Massey. And they would be, um, you know, during every race, you'd hear them have a discussion about what was going on. And it sort of was led to more, a more entertaining race because you could hear um, how the team principals were thinking, what they wanted to convey to the racing, um, racing director. But I thought Massey did a good job. He was in a tough position. Had he not done what he did and said, you know, let's just finish behind the safety car. Then you have a completely different um, Abu Dhabi race that finishes. It's a bit of a bummer. Yeah, but okay, look, I'll say this categorically from my end. He was wrong. The end of that race was an absolute shambles. Um, (laughs) That should never have been allowed to happen. Um, Primarily, yes, I think the decision to um, 
to stop the direct line of communication between team principals, teams, and the racing director is a good thing. You don't have coaches and managers in cricket talking straight to the third umpire. Yeah, and that's what was happening. It doesn't happen. It's exactly yeah. what's happening. It's like if, you know, uh, <laughs> Virat Kohli or, oh, geez, imagine Ravi Shastri in the ear of the third umpire. I know. Bloody hell, I'd quit. <laughs> when he's sipping on his whiskey. Um, <laughs> Raza. But, um, yeah. But, like, so yeah. I think I think that was a big factor. Um, should Massey have been removed? Well, I he- think at some point when it's got to that level of shambles, because not, like... There's there's rules that you should be following, right? Now, they seem to have taken a very uh, laissez-faire kind of approach to what the rules and the interpretation of the rules and the, and the directions of a race director should be. Now, that being said, here's the thing. Everyone gets caught up on that last lap. If your underlying objective, if the whole mission statement of Formula One is to see and watch racing, <laughs> then, interesting, interesting. then why would you finish the final lap or the final under, race under, under, under a safety yeah. car? I, but what if it was that you can't finish a, um, finish a race under race under a safety car? Yeah. That the safety car period at the end of the race, if it's like the last couple of laps... There will always be, say, two laps of racing after a safety car as stoppage time, similar to football. They also have that two-hour cap where they're not allowed to... The race cannot go extend beyond two hours. And I think that's something they probably have to think about. I'm not sure where that actually comes from, to be honest, and why that's an issue. The guy that did love Massey's decision, though, has to be Yuki Tsunoda. He, he finished fourth in that race. I, I know. know. <laughs> and nobody talks about that. That was his best. I think it was his best finish for the year. Yeah, but and could it, you it really an... count it? Like science must have been absolutely spitting. I know. I know. But uh, it was actually, yeah, it was a very good finish for Sonoda that year um, at, to, to finish the year. Um, in terms of the season itself, we'll get into top five moments. But as an overview, we've kind of covered a lot of the sort of the surrounding context of yeah. what was happening in 2021. But 2021 saw 100 polls for Lewis. It was a year which saw the two drivers, Verstappen and Lewis, exchange the championship lead multiple times during the course of the season. You had Verstappen and Hamilton probably win. Ha- uh, Hamilton won early. Verstappen won a lot during the European part of the season. Um, and then Hamilton came back at the end, won the, uh, the fourth last, third last, and second last race, which meant that the final race, it was... All down to one point. Whoever won would win, and Verstappen wins in the end. Verstappen did not win 2021 on the back of that last lap. He won 2021 with consistent performance over over the whole year. You can't do that consistently. Right, like if if you're not performing consistently, you're not going to be at the top. This was that year where Verstappen found that consistency that he'd been lacking. It's very difficult to evaluate a driver in Formula One because they are so reliant on having a competitive car. I think the Red Bull car was not as quick as the Mercedes car in 2021, but I just thought Max got. 100% 100% of his ability, he, he he brought it out in the car. Verstappen right now in 2022 to 2023, it's been a question of 
not is he going to win by how, but how many seconds is he going to lead by right i think earlier this year he had enough time he had a 24 25 second lead yeah. and he decides to go in for an extra pit stop before the last lap just to get the fastest so that he lap. can set the fastest lap yeah. and take that bonus point so for context you get points in a sliding scale from first to 10th you get a bonus point if you set the fastest single lap Right, so you may not come first, but you might still get the fastest lap compared to all the other drivers, and you still walk away with a point. You only get a point if you finish in the top ten, right? With you the only get lap. Po- uh, look, if you're not in the top ten, are you really going to be setting the fastest lap? No, and the reason I say that is because clearly you become faster as you progress during the race because the fuel load gets lighter and your yes. car becomes lighter. But it also depends on the tires that you're using. And, and the tires like that you use. Right? I think there were a couple of occasions where Bottas was not, you know, didn't have a chance of winning the race, but was able to steal the fastest lap because he would yes. he would come yes. in, two laps to go, get fresh tires, and then get the fastest lap so that he would take away a point yes. from Verstappen. Yes. And ultimately that played a big role in why the final race was as important yeah, as it was. Yeah, about each, each extra point that he's taking away. And you're right, I actually don't think the Red Bull car was clearly faster than the, you know, I don't think either the car was clearly faster. But I think um, there's a more measured approach with how Lewis drives. And mm. that, it, he's the master of old tyres. Have you seen the guy on old tyres? The last thing you want to hear as a competitor is Lewis saying, oh, guys, these tyres are dead. They're too old. He's a master complainer of tyres. Oh, but geez, he drives well on tyres that should be dead. Like He does. uh, I don't care where you stand on Lewis Hamilton. You watch some of his late race racing. He's phenomenal. You don't get to seven World Drivers' Championship without being phenomenal. Uh, Just to clarify, yes, you are right. The fossil lap is only the top 10. Yes. Um, Yeah. And I think it was, I think the he did get his 100th pole in 2021. I think it was the Spanish Grand Prix. So it was a very successful year. But his 100th race win yes. was also 2021 in uh, Sochi in Russia. He the double century took it, took it away from Lando, that race. Um, it's a lesson in listening to your team. Hey? Uh, and this is what I mean. It's not just played in the cockpit of the car. No. You saw Seb in that same race turn around and say, yeah, we, we're going to need like inters. Inters, for reference, people are car uh, are tires that are a lot harder, a lot stiffer, but also have these um, sluices like your road cars that allow the water to uh, sl- uh, to be pushed aside, so you don't aquaplane, you don't slide over the water. Mate, we're learning a lot. Is that from the robotics engineering? Uh, this is just yeah, just how knowledge. tires work. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, this is how tires work. <laughs> Lovely. All right, well. What I want to do with you, Cozzy, is I want to go into the top five moments for the season. Um, but we'll be right back after this. All right, welcome back. Cozzy, we are going to do a top five. We're going to look back at some of the highlights of the season. Um, I know you have plenty of highlights. What I might do is I might go through a couple of them and I, I'm guessing I'm going to actually capture most of the ones that you thought of. So, Except I cheated and I think I have seven or eight. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. Um, but we'll go through them. Um, the first one, you can't have a 2021 season without the Abu Dhabi race and the final lap. Um, in summary, Verstappen from the restart overtakes Hamilton in a late restart after, after that race. Mercedes protested the results and later decided not to appeal after their protest was denied. 
um, you know, that final lap had everything. It had Verstappen and Hamilton, in, like Verstappen inching towards Hamilton during the safety oh, he car. Was, he was chomping at the bit at the yeah. end of that safety car, hey? And there was a lot of talk. I think there was a lot of subreddit forums about whether Verstappen actually overtook just him. Just got past mm-hmm. Hamilton. There was a lot of people trying to find a, a camera angle which showed that he was past so that they could justify Verstappen not winning the race. You had the that sort of the dialogue between Massey, Horner, um, Toto Wolf. You had Hamilton querying why the race wasn't finishing behind a yellow flag. You had Verstappen saying, let's go racing. And so you had all of this. You had the the great commentary team about, of, you know, Brundle, David Croft, Kravitz, yeah. Karan Chandok, another fellow Indian, in, Indian Englishman, um, all talking about what was going to happen. And so I think that final lap yes. will probably remain etched in, everyone's uh, memories think, for a long, long time. I think it's fair to say that, like, if people talk about Formula 1 in in this century, like in the next 50 years, if they talk about Formula 1 in the 2000s, if you say that last race, that last lap, there's probably two other competitors, right? And one of them is Massa, probably getting very close to victory and before it got stolen from him. Because Timo Glock, <laughs> Timo Glock decided to just let Walt, um, Hamilton waltz past. And then uh, the other one is probably 2016 Nico Rosberg in that last race, right? Mm, I but don't mind that. In terms of sheer, like, because those are the only other two moments where it's been that close, right? Down to the wire, kind of. It's the last race. This is when we're going to decide it. Um, but I think the difference is the coverage and the number of people. The moment you say 2021 Formula One Grand Prix, hell, if you say Formula One Grand Prix, that's what most people are going to think of, right? People who haven't seen the sport before. And this is what I mean about that whole coverage and all of that stuff. But yeah, top five moments. If you if you want to, yeah, that race. You can't go past. That last race, that last rap, lap just dominates. It does. It does. And, you know, I think it signed off with the, I said it before, the, you know, we want to see racing from Michael Massey. I thought that. What a great line, eh? Oh, it's great. I, I think he probably practiced it um, because it was so poetic <laughs> at the time. It really fit the bill as to what was going on and what people wanted to see. But the soundbite that, that will live on with me forever is absolute animal. When talking about Sergio Perez defending yes. Lewis Hamilton. Lewis is on fresh tires. Um, Sergio Perez is on old tires. He's got nothing left of the championship, but what he's trying to do is slow Hamilton down so that Max, who's just pitted, can catch up. Absolute heroics. Wheel-to-wheel racing and defending like I have not seen in so long. Um, and I don't think they could have even have won the constructors. He, he was doing it because he knew his fellow driver had a chance of winning the championship. Before, we, before I get to the second one, one comment I had about overtaking... With DRS, are you a big DRS fan or you do you miss the days where there was no DRS and you had to overtake based on pure driving skill and speed? I think it makes less of a difference than we think, right? Um, now, you can argue that DRS is why people are so easily overtaking other cars. Um, Max Verstappen yesterday or the day before was like, oh, we have too much DRS. You know, we should change the cars a little bit, right? Um, and not worry so much about massive DRS benefits. But on the other side, you have these DRS trains. Like, I'm never going to forget, like, I think it was Alonso followed by Gasly, followed by a couple of others. It was in 2021, where, first of all, Alonso, defensive masterclass. Like, mm. I think the whole season, people realized that if you don't get past Alonso pretty early on, if you get stuck behind him in a DRS train, you're done. 
you're just done because a he's going to defend the hell out of anything and the second thing is a drs train is essentially if you, you get drs and for anyone who's listening at home this is called drag reduction system right so you have drag which slows down your car now there are these bits of the back wing that you can flip up and it reduces the drag so it allows you to actually go faster because you have less wind resistance right now you only get that on certain stretches so you're allowed to turn that on for a few seconds in each lap as long as before you get to that stretch there's like a measurement point you've got to reach that measurement point within a second to the person in front of you mm. right now if say you're racing in, in in front of me if i'm less than a second behind you i can turn on drs but you cannot so that gives me a speed advantage and allows me to consider overtaking now, let's say there's another driver behind me who's less than a second behind me. He gets to turn on DRS. But here's the thing. Because I'm less than a second behind you, we've both got DRS on. You have DRS he, on even though you've got someone behind you. Yeah, because I'm, I'm behind you by a second. Yeah. Right? So I've got DRS on. The guy behind me has got DRS on. So he can't overtake me. The best he can do is probably keep up. Yes. Now, if the, the, if the number two in that DRS train can't overtake the person in the lead who maybe doesn't have DRS because you're in the middle of the pack. So you're, you know, you're, you're, you're quite behind the race leaders. Typically um, you're just kind of stuck there in formation because you can't overtake. Now, if you have a master defender, like, uh, you know, Alonso, Alonso there, uh, Fernando Alonso, probably one of the greatest drivers ever. Um, well, but he might even come up in, it might, I don't know if it's in my top five, it could be, but how about he's defending in Hungary? All comes down to El Plan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but in, in all seriousness, like, so you have DRS trains and things like that that, that essentially render DRS kind of moot if you're in the mid midfield, right? Mm. Um, I think the, the bigger thing is that the cars these days, if you want to see the difference between now and, say, the uh, the just the turn of the century kind of time racing, is the size. They're way bigger now. First of all, the, the, the wheels, the tires are bigger, the wheels are bigger. But the actual cars themselves are way wider. So Monaco, it is impossible to overtake in Monaco. You're just too big. Like your yeah. cars are just too big, right? You barely have space for, for both cars to go side by side in most areas of Monaco, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and that's actually made Monaco a bit of a boring race, sadly. The Monaco weekend is all about qualifying. Um, yeah, 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 and yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's Paul, almost... Paul the, gets the win. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was, you know... Yano truly one of the tell, tell that tell that to tell that to Charles Leclerc. Though. Yeah, I know. He, he got he, he was the first Monegasque to get pole in Monaco yeah. in twenty twenty one. Very unlucky. And, and then, then crashes win. out just after his, his flying lap and uh gear was a gearbox damage? Some something major got damaged and couldn't get fixed in time for the race. So it's just another disappointing um, yeah. <laughs> disappointing race for Charles. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, Yano truly shout out to truly one of the you know, yes. the Italian F1 drivers, his sole victory was at uh, Monaco. Monaco. Qualified what a place to win it. One. it was great for him. That is it for part one. We are going to be releasing part two next week, same time. And we're going to be finishing off those top fives. And then we're going to be heading straight into a lot of the categories and segments where we can really recap this season and really put a bow on it. So I um, hope you enjoyed the episode. Stick around. We're going to finish this 2021 season possibly the greatest season in Formula 1 history. I'll see you soon.